Hello and welcome back to We've Never Been Clicked. We have a very special episode, as they all are, as we prepare for Alabama week, facing the number one team on the road. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Jay Arnold. Hello. Hello, Jay. And also Jimmy Guards. Howdy, boys. Howdy, howdy. And... You know, we haven't had too many guests lately, although we did have that win recently, but we've invited on Mr. Matt Scalici from Al.com to give us the Alabama perspective on what it's going to look like to get the doors blown off on Saturday. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. We, we call it AL.com over here, but, but you know, Al is a, is a perfectly valid reading of it. <laughs> I was so worried about pronouncing your last name. That's a, that's a Paul Simon song, right? You can call me Al. <laughs> I, was, I was so focused on your last name that I butchered your two-letter website name. <laughs> Listen, at least, you did, at least you knew it wasn't AOL.com, which we get a lot. So, Ooh, well, A little yeah. instant messenger action. Who drives more traffic these days? Is it AL.com or AOL.com? Listen, I don't know how AOL's doing. We're we're doing we're doing great at AL.com. We're 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 in a golden age. Awesome. So could you tell us a little bit about your role there? So I'm just your buddy on Twitter, but I have I had really honestly have no idea what you do over there. Well, I've done a lot of different things uh, since I've been here. I I have uh, I was originally hired to basically do a, a little bit of covering Alabama and Auburn football. Uh, I, I've done a lot of recruiting coverage over the years and a lot of just straight up game coverage. And eventually uh, I have migrated my way over to the video side of our operation. So now um, I, I still pretty much exclusively am covering Alabama and Auburn uh, year round. But most of what I'm involved in producing now is video related stuff. So we do a lot of stuff during the week. You know, as far as analysis videos and and uh, prediction videos, and then obviously we go to both uh, games. I have a team of people. We're, we're at Alabama and Auburn games every single weekend, shooting video of the games, shooting you know post game press conferences and stuff. So we 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 turn out a lot of video at AL dot com. That's a a good coincidence because I am the video person at Good Bull Hunting, and we do a lot of professional videos. Well, Listen, we cannot. We we. I have to say, we're big fans of your video work uh, uh, in my building, and <laughs> the we, professionalism. I uh, listen. The, the, it is it is so much harder to make something that is unique and creative and funny than it is to make something that looks good. Any anybody <laughs> with anybody with like twelve hundred dollars and five minutes worth of training can make a good looking video. It, it's it's a lot harder to make something that's genuinely as bizarrely entertaining as the it trailer was last year i have to say <laughs> well well we certainly don't have twelve hundred dollars so we do we do what we can <laughs> i yeah. can't even i imagine it would be hard to do recruiting coverage at alabama because do the fans even care they just assume everybody coming in is five stars right i, I think actually <laughs> we, we kind of caught the tail end of that I, you know there was a while there where they were still they were still hung on every single commitment, um, you know Alabama and Auburn both because really if one of if one school cares about something, the the other one will care passionately about it 
within five minutes. Um, okay. it, that, that's just how these guys work. I mean, there's, there's, I don't, I don't, I know you guys don't have an in-state rivalry, so you it might be hard. No, nope. <laughs> actually, don't. that's a that's a pretty pretty high point of contention there. But. <laughs> we don't yeah. even have a state. When we went to the SEC, we left Texas. And we <laughs> don't even. Right. Know yeah, but yeah, I mean, we I, we definitely have, I, I think, moved to a, to a post-recruiting phase in the state of Alabama, <laughs> where everybody, you're lucky. Yeah, everybody just kind of assumes that they're all going to be great. Uh, they're they're I think, I think what's become fun for us is just kind of getting to know individual players uh, because those guys, the, the cast rotates so fast, especially at Alabama, that it, it does kind of become more difficult, I think, for fans to get to know what's different about these players every year and what's unique about them. And that's, that's probably one of the more fun aspects of the job is that we get to go go out and really before they get to school is our best opportunity because we never see them again once they go behind the walls in Tuscaloosa. Okay. But we get, to, <laughs> you know, we, get to, we get to meet them and spend time with them and their families, and that's kind of our, our best chance to let the fans get to know them and, and you know, we get to make a personal connection with them. And then they come out the other side like three years later and we see them at the draft, and it's like, hey, this worked out well for you, you know? <laughs> That's funny. So they, they're not really accessible to you once we, they're in, in the yeah, system. Our access is not good uh, at Alabama or Auburn really, but um, you know, we, we do what we can and we, we do get to talk to these guys, you know, a good bit when they're going through the recruiting process. And sometimes those connections uh, will, will help us down the road, let's say. Yeah, I was uh, surprisingly I was doing some research to make my Alabama A and M video for this week, and I came across Raekwon Davis, wow. and he's like eight feet tall, seven hundred pounds. He's so very I, large. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even though everyone just kind of you know fits the blue chip five star mold at Alabama, there are still some guys that just uh, are amazing in terms of. Yeah, you would gosh. definitely say he's an absolute unit. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking forward to seeing him in the backfield a lot. Look, the, you'll see a lot of that lad on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would say, you know, he's, he's definitely a, a guy that stands out. I think another one that is just a unique player that probably not a lot of people have, have, you know, have, have talked very much about yet because he's still so young uh, is Dylan Moses, who's a linebacker who we, we, I've actually been covering him as a recruit since he got his scholarship offer from Alabama, which happened when he was in eighth grade. Uh, so okay. I, I, I've been covering this kid for like five <laughs> or six years, and he's a sophomore in college right now. Um, it, it's it's very strange phenomenon. But, yeah, an incredibly smart and and uh, and perceptive kid who's been – obviously has, has been dealing with, you know, being a high-level football player for a long time now. And he's he's really growing into his freakishness, I think, at this point. <laughs> it's yeah. funny because when I look through Alabama's roster, a lot of the names I recognize are like people that we thought might come to A and M for ten minutes, and then they committed to Alabama. <laughs> Listen, I I've seen you know it's the same thing that when you cover recruiting at all, it's that's kind of a, a fun thing to to see what, as you're you know then following a team through its SEC schedule, I, I see all of these names 
that you know I covered when they were being recruited by Alabama and Auburn. And Texas A and M is is really one of the one of the schools that I think goes head to head with Alabama probably about as much as anybody other than maybe Georgia. Uh, I just feel like there's so many kids that out. I mean, it's part partly because Saban is so aggressive about recruiting Texas. I think right. that's probably got a lot to do with it. Uh, but yeah, no, I end up seeing so many names. Uh, every every year when Alabama or Auburn plays Texas A&M, that I go, yeah, I remember that kid. He he definitely turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. So I, how, just, how have you guys not won more with all of these great recruits? Well, I think uh, the problem is we just haven't scored as many points as the other teams have. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Once we recognize that as an issue, though, we're kind of making progress toward it. We have. Yeah. You may know we have a plaque, a plaque that we've already made up for Jimbo Fisher's first national championship. Today. I, I saw something about that. Yeah. So we're ready to go. We're ready to start winning. Oh, listen, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't know if you guys know this. Alabama and Auburn definitely don't uh, have overly ambitious expectations for things in advance. That, that, that's, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw um, just tonight, on TechSags is kind of, you know, our, our crazy message board where you get sure. people with the most unrealistic expectations. And I did see a thread on there talking about how we still could make the college football playoff. We just had to win Saturday against Alabama. And I got sad. Yeah, absolutely. We control our own destiny. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into the the pit of despair in terms of what's facing us, uh, one thing that you told me when we were talking about you coming on the show was that I think you were the only AL.com employee who was at the 2012 game. And we like to live in the past sometimes when we, we have things like a win in Tuscaloosa. So what was your experience there watching Johnny football do his thing? Well, that was my first season working for AL.com. I had actually worked for Rivals.com uh, to, uh, earlier in my career. So I, I got to cover the tail end of, of the Shula era and the beginning of the Saban era. And then I, when I was hired at AL.com, 2012 was, was the first season. Um, and Alabama was coming off of you know, a national championship had a lot coming back and there were very high expectations uh, of them potentially repeating in 2012. And they were really, you know, they were very much on track. Um, It it looked like they were, they were going to breeze right through uh, and and be in pretty good shape. I don't think they'd had a close game up to that point in the season. And, um, you know, I, I can actually recall earlier in the year being at an Auburn game and having Texas A&M on you know in the background of the press box while I was working in there and and seeing all of this stuff about Johnny football and having no idea who this was you know I I, I had I hadn't really dug into Texas A&M much and didn't really know anything about who they had um and you know really I can't say that I that I super paid attention to what Texas A&M was doing that season until that Alabama game. And uh, I, I can tell you, I don't, I, I don't remember what the anticipation was coming into the game, but I can remember that the first quarter of that game, uh, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen – man, I'd have to really dig through my memory. 
I don't know that anybody else has punched Alabama in the mouth like that at the start of a game um, since or before that under Nick Saban. I mean, it was so stunning to see somebody score that quickly and build that kind of a lead against Alabama. Uh, I remember the, the whole stadium just being stunned about it. And, you know, Alabama obviously fought back and, and was in a position to, to survive it at the end and wasn't able to do it. But um, I think that was the, that's the thing that stuck with me from that game is just the, the, the absolute shock uh, of everybody going like, this isn't supposed to happen. I mean, I don't, I, there, there's a stat that gets brought up a lot up here that, that even in the losses, that Alabama doesn't get blown out. They, they still have not really ever been just absolutely destroyed by anybody, um, which is pretty rare. I mean, even for the, the top-tier teams in college football, they'll occasionally have Ohio State versus Iowa last year where it's just an absolute ass-whooping that comes out of nowhere. And Alabama hasn't had one of those. That's, that's <laughs> the first time I remember thinking, man, this, this might happen. They're, they're getting their ass kicked right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was my the the secret. A lot of people think the secret was Manziel or Kingsbury or Mike Evans or whatever. But the real secret was that my dad and I had tickets to go to that game, and we bailed less than a week <laughs> before the game because we knew we were going to lose, and we didn't want to waste our weekend. So, because we're bad fans, the most amazing game of all time happened. And, and this I- is also the story of Cuppy Cup. Permanently being banned from all AM football games. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Listen, you well, can't. Our record with, is not great when I'm there, to be honest. You can't mess with that kind of mojo. I, I, <laughs> I remember the the other the other image that really stands out to me is I remember the end of the game, um, watching, and you'll have to forgive me for not knowing the specifics of this tradition, but you know, watching the team go over to the to their fan section in, in Bryant-Denny Stadium. And I, I don't know if it's an alma mater or some, some kind of song that happens. Oh, um, the war hymn. The, yeah, the war that, hymn. I, yeah. I apologize for not knowing that. But, yeah, it, they the, – the, the listeners are going to be amazed that I knew it, so don't feel bad. <laughs> but it was – I mean, it was a pretty – it was a pretty amazing sight. I, I have – I just don't know that I've seen uh, – that, that I've seen celebrations like that even you know look i've seen plenty of losses uh for alabama in that stadium uh I, as i mentioned i covered them when mike shula was the coach but i i don't know that i've seen that kind of celebration from a visiting team take place in the stadium like that and i and i don't really think alabama fans were that upset by it it, it was kind of this weird moment where everybody was just in awe of what had happened um because it was this it was this phenomenal individual performance was what kind of captured everybody. Obviously it was a good, it was a good Texas A&M team and they had other good players, but the, the chaos that, that Manziel generated in that game, that, that truly I think is the most infuriating thing to Nick Saban is, is if you can do something that not only can he not prepare for, but that it doesn't even look like you prepared to do it. It looks like you just pulled it out out of nowhere and made it work. I think that's what bothers him most of all. Right. 
Yeah, and of course there were there were a few kind of iconic plays in that game for A and M. The the most memorable being Johnny fumbling right after the snap, retrieving the ball, and then hitting Swope for a touchdown, uh, which I put in all my highlight videos, no matter what what the what the content is related it's to. The, it's the perfect. I mean that that for for an outsider for me, that is the play I think of when I think of Johnny Manziel at Texas A and M because because it's it's just so indicative of that whole game, but really just kind of that that Heisman campaign was that there was absolutely no way to predict what was going to happen. And it, and it felt like you were constantly – it's like, it's, you know, I grew up, I grew up around uh, golfers. It, he's, he's the greatest scrambler I've ever seen in college football. And, and I mean that in the golf term. Like nobody can turn what is about to be a terrible play into a touchdown like Manziel did that year. That's right. Yeah, and the and that's also an indicator of how dominant Alabama's been that like the one highlight we still talk about is from six years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've we've been whooped ever since. Twenty thirteen was a was a good game. That was a good and, game at Caulfield. And I and I I will say this too. I think I think really last year, um was competitive for far longer than Nick Saban was comfortable with. And that was, that was really where we got the term that has now become kind of standard parlance around Tuscaloosa, which is rat poison. <laughs> um, I mean, that was, that was the Texas A&M game last year. And that was basically – now, I, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a knock for Nick Saban to say, we didn't, we didn't play as well as we should have in this game because we, we didn't take – the opponent seriously enough, but that's, I mean, I, I do think when you look at how Alabama performed for most of the rest of last season, Texas A&M probably gave them as good a game as, as anybody until Auburn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was kind of a weird game in that A&M was kind of in it, but you never really felt like they were going to win the game or maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, I think if I recall, I think Damian Harris scored, a touchdown like within the first 10 seconds of the game so that yeah. definitely takes the wind out of your sails but you know Alabama never really pulled away from A&M in that game they never really got comfortably on top the way that they the way that they would prefer to I think that's right which is now it feels unfair that Alabama seems to have this dominant offense to go with the defense which is why the tone tonight is a little <laughs> grim when we're looking forward um, I was just looking through stats and seeing things like uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver, has 11 receptions and six of them are touchdowns. It's yeah. it's scary. It's the what's weird is that it's the the stats. If you look at any individual players so far for Alabama, the, their totals, uh, you know, total yards and receptions and rushes, you know, they're not they're they're not high. They look like they look like sometimes they don't even look like single game stats. Some of these guys look like like stats. Like, I mean, Alabama's leading rusher right now, I believe, has twenty four carries. Der- Derrick Henry probably had twice that in individual games at times uh, when he was at Alabama. They're they're just firstly they're offensively they're sharing the load so much. They're getting up on teams so fast that they're really not playing their starters very much. I mean, Tua has has not really played much outside of the first quarter of any of the first three games. 
Um, yeah, he only has 50 attempts, but he does have a 233 passer rating. Yeah, I believe he's completing somewhere around 72% of his passes so far. Yeah, um, no interceptions. Yeah, he's, he's – he, I mean, so far I think the word for this offense, in, in addition to being explosive, is they're incredibly efficient. They don't really have a lot of negative plays. Um, they, they, don't, they don't mess around um, with a lot of, you know – risky stuff they're not really doing the kind of thing that lane kiffin was doing a few years ago here where it was really it was really kind of a boom or bust offense they had a lot of plays get blown up in the backfield they had a lot of stuff that looked stupid because it didn't work and it was designed to set up another big play later uh, but sometimes you'd find yourself behind the sticks doing that and, and you'd have to find a way out of it that's not what this team is about i mean they're they're pretty Pretty powerful up front. Probably the best offensive line Alabama's had in a couple of years here. Um, and, and they're particularly good on the right side, uh, which obviously is important because two is left-handed, so that's his, that's his blind side. They're, they're very good over there running the ball. They've done a pretty good job of protecting Tua so far. And they're just so, uh, they're so accurate downfield. Uh, throwing the deep ball in a way that Alabama has really never that that's the unique thing about this that that we haven't seen under Nick Saban is they've really never had a guy that can can be so accurate with the ball 20 plus yards down the field the way that Tua is so far and and really Jalen even seems better at it than he was a year ago Um, so their quarterback development, I think, is the biggest difference between this Alabama team and and the ones that have come before. That and Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's terrible, terrible news for A and M in terms of matchups. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, I think our secondary is actually the weak point of our defense, so uh, it's, it's not looking good. I, I think if Alabama's got got a weak spot. Um, you know, the secondary is what a lot of people point to. They, they, they kept Ole Miss under control for the most part, but I think Alabama's pass rush um, is, while, while they've got a lot of talented guys up there, they're not as deep as they've been um, in other years. You go back to, you know, a couple of years ago when that, that defense was scoring in almost every single game, uh, that was an incredibly deep front seven, and they just don't have as many guys, I think, to play up there this year. Um, so you've got that issue, and you've got the fact that the secondary is very, very young and, and really needs um, to, to not be on the field uh, too, too much and, and not be asked to do too much so far. And, and Alabama's kept themselves out of that situation so far, but I think a, a team with, you know, a an athletic and accurate quarterback and some talented receivers, which Texas A&M, I think it's fair to say, has those things. Um, you could you could do some damage. You could definitely put some points up on this Alabama defense. I, I think I think this is the the offense that has the best opportunity to to actually you know score with Alabama and, and force Alabama to keep. Um, you know, keep a little bit of pressure on their offense to keep scoring throughout the game. Yeah, uh, offensively, I think Texas A&M does have a lot of weapons. Uh, I just, I personally think that offensively, the O line is a serious problem. Uh, with with Jimbo coming in and his scheme, 
having the tight ends available to chip and pass protection has helped out a little bit, but it's still hard to mask those problems. Uh, like you said, though, I mean, there, there's a lot of talent at receiver. If Kendrick Rogers is healthy, uh, we saw what he could do against Clemson. Uh, Jamon Osborne, uh, Jay Sternberger at tight end. I mean, there's definitely some some offensive threats, but uh, I, it's just hard for me to believe that they're going to be able to score with what Tua and that Alabama offense has been able to do so far. Well, to be fair, we thought Jay and I thought Clemson was going to blow out A and M too. So maybe. Uh... Maybe A and M will surprise us and keep it keep it close. If you always keep a really negative outlook, everything that's positive is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> that's exactly right. Even if it's just like covering the spread. <laughs> this, this is this is a this is an attitude that's that's very familiar uh, in in the other half of my job in this state right now. Auburn fans, I, I think. Are, are never surprised when bad things happen to them. It's, it's one of my favorite things about, about the Auburn fan base. <laughs> yeah, we call that battered Aggie syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> the, and hopefully, I mean, I think the fan base felt pretty good after the close loss to Clemson. And I think that if A&M's competitive for even a half here against Alabama, they'll feel kind of encouraged, but I, I think if A&M actually won this game, it would be by far the biggest upset of the year in college football. So the, the chances of that happening are, are pretty minuscule, but it would be exciting. I, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think not, not to say, not to say that, that, you know, beating Alabama is, is an impossible thing that never happens. It, it happens every year. I mean, they haven't had a, an undefeated season since 2009, so somebody beats them every year. I, I think that the the main thing, you know, when you look at the the common factors and all of those, it, it, you you are going to need some things to to break your way. You're going to need you're going to need to have a good day. You're going to need Alabama to have a bad day. You're going to need, um, you know, probably something early in the game that throws Nick Saban's game plan out the window. And he's he's pretty good at adjusting, but maybe he won't be in this. He's got a brand new offensive coordinator. He's got a brand new defensive coordinator. And while he's making a lot of the decisions, still he's very active in what's going on in the game. Um, you know, he has talked about the fact that that these are coaches that are kind of developing as as play callers within a game, and they haven't been challenged yet. They haven't really been asked to make difficult decisions. So the, the, the first time that, you know, the next time Alabama finds itself in a close, tight, competitive game, or maybe they're even behind a little bit, these coaches are going to be dealing with that for the first time ever. And they're going to be tested. And, um, you know, I, I am curious to see what, what, what will happen in that situation. They, in, in a lot of ways, uh, I think, I think even though even though you, you, you I can understand your impulse to not want to get your hopes too high, you know, Texas A&M is definitely easily the most talented uh, team that Alabama has played this year by a wide margin. I, I think there were some folks kind of kind of half-heartedly uh, talking about Ole Miss making things interesting with Alabama last week, but I don't think anybody really believed they had the talent level to hang with Alabama and and Texas A&M in terms of just overall talent on the roster, top to bottom, that they're, they're a big leap from the other three teams Alabama's played so far. So, you know, there's an opportunity, I think, early in this game 
to punch Alabama in the mouth and, and make them have to adjust, make them have to figure things out as they go. Um, they're probably going to figure things out because they're Alabama, but you make them do it, you know, make, make them have to deal with some adversity. Yeah. I think the, the big problem is in the past, uh, Alabama has been your traditional SEC power running team. Uh, the, the blueprint to beating Alabama was to get up on them early. Uh, like you said, punch them in the mouth, uh, get, get a lead and force them to kind of air it out to catch up. Uh, with this Alabama team, they're almost more dangerous through the air. And so while that, it sounds great in theory, I, I just worry that even if you get up on this team, the way that Alabama has been scoring at will I mean, no lead is really safe. It's it's tough. It's tough when it's tough when they'd probably rather just throw anyway. Um, I I don't really know what the blueprint is for beating this particular Alabama team. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, Jay, I'm actually curious from from your perspective. You know, t- to me, Texas A&M is is one of the things that they've done a a good job with pretty consistently even in years that you guys weren't thrilled with in terms of the results is is having a pretty aggressive pass rush on on the defensive side you who 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 do you feel like are your are your guys over there this year I I feel like we is that's an area that we're actually going to struggle a little bit I I think we've kind of had to to start blitzing to really get a pass rush going I think I mean obviously first game of the season against Northwestern State uh, we had no sacks. Uh, I think most of our sacks here have come off of blitzes, unfortunately. Uh, and that, that's not something that bodes well going into this matchup against Alabama. Uh, now, I, I do think there's a couple guys in the middle. I think this D-line is really solid against the run. But uh, with, with the way Mike Elko's defense works, the rush defensive end, which last year with John Chavis, would have been your pass rusher, uh, Landis Durham, who led the team in sacks. He's playing a more conservative role this year, and I think it's really limited his ability to rush the passer. Yeah, interesting. And, and you know, look, I, I think I think outside I, – I, I realize you guys brought me on here to talk about Alabama, so I don't mean to – I don't mean to, like, look around the rest of the league. But I, hey, I I'm do, getting depressed. You can talk about anything else. Well, I do think, you know, I, I was watching – for the other part of my job, I was obviously paying a lot of attention to Auburn versus LSU this weekend and watching, watching those two teams. It's fascinating to me when you look at the rest of the sec West that I don't really think there's a lot of elite offensive lines in the league this year. I just think it's kind of worked out that way that, that it's kind of a down year for the division when it comes to, to the offensive line. I think Alabama and Mississippi State look pretty good up there so far, but honestly, LSU didn't blow me away up front. Auburn, I think, definitely has some issues on their offensive line. And I and I also think, you know, it, it's even even though Auburn, I think, has this this well-earned reputation as being a, a very aggressive and, and tough and elite defense. And I think LSU has that same reputation right now. You know, I don't really know that that either one of those units is is necessarily invincible looking. I, I think I've seen both of them exploited so far a little bit this year. Um, 
and and I, I, to me, it's fascinating to see. I don't really have any idea how the rest of the SEC West is going to play out. I, I feel like at this point, I feel pretty safe saying Alabama is probably my favorite to win the division. But outside of that, there's so many there's so many interesting matchups all of a sudden between the rest of the division. Um, that I, I couldn't tell you. I, I have absolutely no idea how the rest of those are going to turn out. I, I well, feel I, like I do. I do feel pretty confident that Arkansas is probably going to be at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I think that's safe too. <laughs> and, I, and, and I just don't know that Ole Miss has much for for anybody other than I think they're gonna they're gonna be a pain in your ass to try and and keep them from scoring a handful of touchdowns. Uh, but I, I think between Mississippi State. LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, that sort of round robin there, I have absolutely no inkling of how that's going to play out right now. Yeah, two, two through five could go a number of different ways in the SEC West. Well, I, I scribbled down some notes based on my interpretation of what you said, Matt, and I have you down as A&M, Alabama, a toss-up, and then A&M beating Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss. <laughs> Well, wait. So where where A and M's playing at Auburn this year, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so they're uh, going to so um, win that one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the the away team has won every time in yeah. that series. Yeah. Well, book it. That's that's a lock. The funniest thing I came across on on ESPN's tied stats page is that there's one rusher who has one carry for negative one yard, and the name is blank. So I was wondering if that's somebody that Saban killed. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is averaging like ten yards a carry. He's been snapped out of existence. <laughs> coach Saban, I don't, I don't feel so well, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> I was so close to using that for the the Hot Reels video this week, oh, but I God. feel like it's so played out now. Listen, I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I have to say, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Avengers nerd. So if you end up doing it with another team, please, please tag me. You should okay. definitely do it with Arkansas. <laughs> Maybe this I'll... is an entire school. <laughs> yeah, and then they Maybe pop I'll... up in the SEC East. I'll just do it. I'll do it for the whole SEC West at the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> it runs the table. They're all just crumbling. Yeah. Yeah. How much? Lo- how much longer is Saban going to be doing this? I mean, like we we came into the SEC six years ago, and I just want to have a taste for how much longer Nick Saban can just keep doing this year after year well i what's weird is that i've given very different answers every year when i get asked this and and believe it or not in 2012 um when when people were asking me that down in miami getting ready for the national championship game we we kind of amongst us had all halfway anticipated we were kind of at least mildly prepared for the possibility that if Alabama won that national championship game against Notre Dame that maybe he would you know either retire or go to the NFL um so so we were thinking back then like hey you know this this may be the last one and then after they they had about a two-year stretch uh after that, where they where they didn't win it in thirteen and fourteen, there was there was another round of discussion of like, well, is you know, is it over? Did that did the 
did the peak pass us by here? And, and, and is he thinking about, you know, calling it quits again? <clears throat> and, and it didn't happen. And then, honestly, the last couple of years, and I would say in particular after this last win against Georgia, it kind of seems like he's re-energized in a way, which I, I know is not what you wanted me to say. No, but, that's exactly what I want to hear. But I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like every time, he, every time we think that, that it looks like he's wearing down and it's getting to him and he's tired of it, he ends up you know, winning another championship and he looks like he wants to do it again, like immediately. Like he starts talking about what he's going to do next year within days of the championship game. And it, it's, I just think that's part of his demeanor and his personality is the thing that, he, that his instinct tells him to do is after he's achieved something to say, quick, quick, now, now use all of this and go do it again while you, still, while you have this opportunity. So, you know, I think, I think I, I don't really know what it looks like the scenario where he decides I'm done, but I think it's going to look more like that period between 13 and 14 where, you know, it, he's getting increasingly frustrated and he himself is starting to wonder if he's going to be able to do it again. I, I think every time he wins one, it, it's like, it's like you're resetting the clock again on him. Yeah. He just seems to be, he's such a unique, character in that he, he he's playing by his own currency he's not he doesn't seem to be the type of guy that you know um, feels like he needs to measure himself against Bear Bryant he obviously doesn't need to do this for money anymore like it he is competing only against himself is what it seems like you know and uh, it's it just I, I can't think of another coach who is quite uh, in the modern era of any sport that has been in his shoes where it just, he, he gets done with the championship. It's not like he goes and sits around for a month thinking if he's going to come back, it is right after the game. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's do it one more. Let's do it again. It, it is interesting. You bring that up too. Cause I, I've, I end up spending a fair amount of time around SEC coaches, you know, sometimes making videos with them and we'll, we'll get to do things. Uh, because we're a video unit that that I never got to do when I was a beat writer. You know, I usually just would talk to these coaches in these very formal press conference settings. And now I sometimes get to do things where I spend, you know, a whole day with the coach and we're kind of going to his house and we get to meet his, his family and get to know him a little bit better. And it is really, they're all different, but I think you do tend to see a certain character type in college football coaching and a lot of these guys as much as they'll tell you otherwise they're very motivated by what other people say about them uh they're very motivated by the idea of proving people wrong um you know they they get motivated by these exterior voices and that's kind of the whole that's that's the Nick Saban's whole thing is he isn't he he's not listening to what other people say about him uh, sometimes to his own detriment. I think sometimes he has to be reminded by people he trusts that the way he just did something doesn't look very good and he might want to reconsider it. Um, I think that's how, that's how out of tune he is 
with what other people say and think about him is he's he's got this almost objective written in stone rule book that he goes by and he'll make revisions to it every once in a while but for the most part he's going to follow it to a t and he expects everybody else to do it too and you know I, i've talked to people that have worked for him before and they say it's very tough it's it's infuriating because the the things he asks of you seem so unreasonable sometimes and you can't argue with it because it obviously is correct <laughs> because every time he's done it works so they, that that's what I, I i i've talked to a couple of assistants who say that the the most infuriating and and the thing that drives you insane about working for Saban is you can't argue with him because it's basically proven that if he's telling you to do something, it's the right thing to do. Oh, super. The, I miss the Lane Kiffin dynamic with Saban. <laughs> yeah. I thought those, those were fun years. Yeah, Jerry yeah. Freshwater. It was a while. It was a wild time up here. I, I, that's probably the most, one of the, one of the strangest days I've had covering uh, Alabama under Saban was was I, the day that he hired Lane Kiffin. I can just remember thinking, this can't this can't be real. This is such a weird thing for him to do. <laughs> oh, that was awesome though. The Jay, before we cut Matt loose, did you want to um, think back to anything that happened during the 2014 game? Uh, I try to block out the worst memories of my life, so. Not in particular. I, I, uh, I, I think I my shoulder came out like five times during that game. I will ask you this, Jay. Jay, uh, we we actually uh, th- there's kind of a lot of fondness around here for Blake Sims. He was really only you know a factor at Alabama for that one year. Um, but he, there, I believe there's another attempt at kind of a semi-pro league, and they've they've hired Blake Sims to be the quarterback for the Birmingham team. So there, he's kind of a little bit of a local hero over here, but I'd be curious to know what just your impression was just being on the field watching that offense that year. Cause it, it's a weird offense in Alabama history. It's very different from the rest of, of Saban's teams. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you it wasn't fun to prepare against just because there were so many different variables they could kind of throw at you. Uh, I mean, I mean, Derek Henry in the backfield, uh, Blake Sims, that you talked about a real mobile quarterback, which was something that at that time Saban hadn't really had. Right. Uh, and as a defensive lineman, playing against a mobile quarterback is the worst thing just because you have to be so careful with your rush lanes. Uh, and then, I mean, offensive line, I think with Greg Robinson on that offensive line, uh, uh, Cam Robinson, yeah. Cam Robinson, yeah. sorry. Uh, I mean, God, so much talent. Uh, it it just wasn't fun to play against. It was uh, Blake Sims was an incredible athlete, and we knew that going in, and we still weren't able to do anything close to stopping him or the rest of the offense that whole day. Obviously, you could probably tell by the score. Uh, but there was there was a lot of a lot of different things going on going into that game that were <laughs> uh, kind of added on to the fact of what, what would go on to happen in that 2014, uh, that fateful day, I guess, as it were. 
<laughs> Jay, you can thank me later for asking about 2014 instead of 2013. Man, y'all, that sounds like y'all traumatized this guy, man. <laughs> but if, if you did want to hang around, I do have the weather forecast for Saturday's game. <laughs> I will. It's, I, I, is, it, is, it, is it hot? Is that what the, the weather forecast is? Well, uh, the uh, projected high during the day will, is 91 degrees. Uh, we have a 40% chance of thunderstorms, so hopefully that will hold off, allow us to get our game in. Well, the, the uh, good news about Saturday night, it should get down to 71, so it sounds like a wonderful day in Tuscaloosa. The, the, the good part about Tuscaloosa is that it's actually in a, it's actually in a, a floodplain. So in addition to it being 91, it's also going to be just basically wet everywhere it's just gonna it's just gonna feel like you're vaguely underwater a little bit oh, well, we're very familiar with that here in houston yeah, yeah that's right it's delightful <laughs> i'll be in the comfort of my air conditioning because you know I, I should have actually booked tickets and canceled because we're big <laughs> believers in <laughs> yeah superstition of college football but didn't make it happen this year well, thank you, Matt. We'll cut you loose, and then we're going to get into Jimmy's uh, expert gambling picks. Well, thank yeah, thanks for having me, guys. We appreciate and, uh, you coming on. Yeah, that was awesome, Matt. Matt. Always thank happy you. to, and, and uh, yeah, really my, appreciate it. We learned pleasure. a lot, which actually kind of pissed me off because now I'm, I'm even more sad than I was, and I'm I'm like the most depressing Aggie, which is why I'm so good for a podcast. <laughs> well, listen. I, I I hope I hope it's uh, I hope it's it's for, for your guys' sake. Let's let's just say that that I, I hope whatever happens Saturday that you guys enjoy your your season as a whole. Thank you, man. Not that. even not even our weekend. That's an impossibility. But the season as a whole. <laughs> well, because Thank you. what what inevitably will happen is that. We'll go into the game uh, hoping that we can just keep it close. And we'll start to keep it close and think we're going to win. And then when we don't win, we'll be really upset, even though our original goal was only to keep it close. That happens a lot. Inevitably. Yeah. <laughs> just, do, do the Auburn fans get on you like they think you're a, a Bama homer? Do you get a lot of that? Well, sure they do. But I will say this. I, I, Auburn fans, uh, for, first of all, you None know, of them will listen to this. Let me get that on <laughs> on the table Auburn, first. Auburn fans, Auburn fans, I think have uh, what what they appreciate is anybody who's who's willing to attempt to understand their very very unique thing, which I, I feel like is kind of a little bit of a Texas A and M thing too. I, I think you guys don't really care as much about whether other people accept you or not. That's that's kind of a uniquely Auburn thing, but you know, most mostly Auburn fans, I think, just that they love they love Auburn so much, and they're so used to hearing people make fun of it that if you just kind of make a, a attempt to see why they love it so much and attempt to kind of meet them on their terms, they they'll appreciate you. I I, I think I think Auburn fans have have tentatively accepted me as an ambassador. Okay. <laughs> We're like that too, except that we will, we will still hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all those things you said, except that we will still dislike all the media. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's okay. Everybody hates us anyway. It's all good. That's just our thing. That's our thing. But you were great. Thank you. We we learned a lot about Auburn about Alabama. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, you got Auburn on my mind. So yeah, be yeah. You definitely have to leave that in. Getting getting yeah. to Alabama schools confused. <laughs> <laughs> people are gonna love you for that it's all right like look like three or four more years and you guys will finally feel at home in the sec west so i'm just hey, right. them up. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh gosh and we we're still trying to find our sec rival so that we can pretend we don't have it's a rival south carolina texas <laughs> oh that's right i think you should Sorry. Pick a totally random one and just and just say you know what you're it, man. We're calling you Kentucky. Out. I like it. <laughs> Kentucky. I actually, but only, only, only in the non-basketball sports. Yeah. I think Arkansas is promising based on Chad Morris's start over there. They want to pick a rival this, we can beat every year. This, this is the year, man. This is the year to, <laughs> to make a new trophy for the Arkansas-Texas A&M game. I love it. Yeah. All right, perfect. Thanks so much, Matt. We'll chat again soon. Jimmy, I know you've been scrawling out your notes for the best bets. Do you want to... Uh, best bets. <laughs> we're both on the road, so obviously I don't have the uh, the bumper music. Do you... That's not bad. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. You're welcome. Jimmy, how'd you do last week? Uh, we went two and two last week, fam, so uh, I lost a little money on the juice. Uh, a quick recap, if I may. Uh, we'll uh, start with the ads. I took uh, Louisiana Monroe to cover the 26 points, and they did not. The ads covered. So even in the in the game where there was mixed reviews on how A&M looked, that's a pretty dominating performance over a uh, FBS program. So uh, oh, in a game jammed between Clemson and Alabama, no less. So I. Uh, I went on Monroe thinking that this would be a letdown spot for the act, and uh, they took care of business. Well, the Dallas Morning uh, News thought it was a letdown, so it's controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I saw Aggies mad about that, but then I also saw Aggies mad that A&M didn't win by more. So it's just, it's really, really hard to keep track of the rage. Um, sometimes the rage consumes itself. <laughs> you saw Aggies mad, period. Yes. So, uh, you know, just another game week in the middle of the season. But um, the uh, the other loss we took was uh, USC plus three and a half Ooh. in Austin. That's my Texas is back, folks. You, you wanted to stay away Texas from that game. is back. You, you would not oh, have yeah, bet that, that game. game was, yeah. I will, I will say that was a total stay away game because it, the, the line looked really off. It didn't move all week, and uh, basically um, people in Vegas were begging people to get on USC, knowing that they're a mess right now, and uh, obviously much worse than we anticipated because they got the wheels beat off of them in Austin by a team that has lost to Maryland, who has lost to Temple and Villanova. So transitive, that's, uh, <laughs> I guess, Villanova's national champions also in football. But uh, our two wins, teams. yes, <laughs> so Towson and Villanova are the two best teams in college football until uh, otherwise proven otherwise. Uh, our wins, these were, these were interesting. The Army-Hawaii game was a very good football game early on in the day. We had Army minus six and a half. They won by seven. 
that's a win. That's a Milski in our pocket, folks. <laughs> and um, let's see. Oh, oh, boys. Alabama or Miss. We took under 71. <laughs> Believe it or not, that is a winner for us. The score at halftime was 49 to 7. I had already marked this in the book as a loss. I was like, shit, lost, lost one of our picks on we've never been clicked. Well, this is how nuts uh, gambling is and how it's not for the faint of heart. In the second half, after that first half, there was 35 points in the first quarter. In the second half, 13 points were scored. Alabama just like sat on the ball. Ole Miss didn't score after having a 7 nothing lead. They didn't score in the last three quarters of the game. For a total of 69 points, nice. Under 71, we cash. Another Milski. So uh, I'm going to be brief. Week four, we're recording this on Monday night. It's uh, you haven't gotten a good feel for the for this uh, upcoming slate of games, but what we're going to call this is the basketball powerhouses, dogs at home. So at first we got Kentucky. They are 10 point underdogs to Mississippi State in Lexington. We're taking Kentucky. Next up, Indiana, four-and-a-half-point dogs at home against Michigan State. We're on the Hoosiers. Oh, and boys, finally, we got Kansas, seven-and-a-half-point dogs against Baylor. Can Baylor be more than a touchdown favorite to anyone right now? I think not. We're on the Jayhawks. And then for your Ags, we're staying with the dog name, boys. A&M plus 27. The good guys, we're going to cover. That's all I got. Nice. I like those picks. I So on the season, we're up like 600K, something like that? Yeah, that's about right with our juice. Yeah. Uh, I think we're one game over 500. So, um yeah, 600k that buys you a nice little bungalow in Austin. Yeah. So now you have a you have a dinner at the Aggie Hotel. Mm, yeah, get the hullabaloo dried out brisket at the <laughs> hotel on campus. Oh, Thank good. you, potential sponsor. They follow <laughs> me, so I hope they don't listen. All right. Oh yeah, they started following me too. <laughs> oh really? Yes, I can add my upset of the week. Alert. Yeah, do it. All right. I have Iowa taking down Wisconsin. Wisconsin is reeling, going into Kinnick. Iowa is going to take out the Badgers. Nice. Mm, I almost took that. I love that pick, Jay Arnold. And, of course, if you enjoy listening to We've Never Been Clicked or in the likely scenario that you don't like listening, please give us a five-star review either way on iTunes. Write a nice little blurb about us and tell your friends to listen, and then they can decide for themselves whether they'd like to subscribe. All right. Thank you, boys. We will uh, we'll talk next week when we're either reeling or dealing. Who do we play, <clears throat> after? <laughs> do we play after Bama? Yeah. Arkansas. Oh, okay. So we, we got pretty Yeah, much- but it's in Jerry World, so we're going to be yes, mad in yes. advance on that. At 11 a.m. too. Totally. Yeah. Oh, we're just mad. Yep. We don't need to do mad in advance this week. We're just mad that we have to play Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I think we covered that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beat that horse into the ground as far as it could go.
Keep away, cause we've never been clicked yet. Yeah. 